Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So I'm Amber. And I'm Jesse, And this is Glowing in Tech. Powered by Coding Black Females. And here we are with part two. We're still with Tanya Powell, the co-CTO of Coding Black Females. And we're going to delve into her tech topic in 10. Yes, so Tanya's going to be talking to us about behavioural driven development and you're going to give us a hopefully 10 minute introduction. It might not be 10 minutes. Oh, we'll see, we'll see. We'll give it your yeah. best shot, Tanya. So, <laughs> this is, I, my very, very first proper technical talk was about BDD because um, the reason why I did it, because it was so like user centric. Mm-hmm. It wasn't necessarily just, I'm trying to get my own slides up. These slides are like seven years old. I was going through them this morning. And I was like, this is some bad job. I don't ever show anyone this ever again. And um, the reason why I want to do this, it is so user-centric. And it's about collaboration. It's not just mm. about doing something that is technical. It's how do you collaborate between various stakeholders? So product, random users, QA and dev. Mm-hmm. So let me tell you a bit about BDD without going into song and dance. So BDD is an agile methodology to encourage to encourage collaboration between product, any other stakeholder, the QA, so quality assurance testers, whether it's manual or automated, and also the developer. So we start off with, it's got three stages to it. We start off by describing what the features should be. And you write some acceptance criteria. Yeah. And then we do our implementation. And then we automate this. When you have the acceptance criteria, you write it in stages where it's in plain English. You don't have to use a specific coding language. You don't even need to have a DSL, so domain specific language, in plain English. So anyone can come along and read and understand what this feature should be. And you write it as given the scenario name, when some type of user action happens, then what is the result of that action? And with those three steps alone, anyone should understand what this feature should do. And it's a great way for, especially for juniors, because it used to help me a lot doing BDD, how to go into sprint demo. How do I explain to my various audience of various different stakeholders what I've just implemented? Mm. So instead of just being like technical, 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 I've my audience, I don't know who's going to be in my audience. Yeah. So during sprint demo, I'd be like, given this is the name of the scenario, when this happens, blah, 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 then I should expect this to be the result. So whenever I'm doing a sprint demo or explaining something to different stakeholders, I have the BDD like framework in my head. And even when I'm writing stories now for our devs to do, because we're a small team, so I still have to write all the user stories and all the tickets and break things down. I will have acceptance criteria and be like, given, when, then. And then when we have, we've decided on this acceptance criteria, the three of us, in this, in my little story here, we've got a dev, we've got a product manager and we've got a QA. Just imagine this triangle of perfecta. We should all agree on the acceptance criteria. Mm-hmm. 
the dev should go and implement things based on that criteria. And the QA can then go and write this scenario, these scenarios in tests and do the functional tests to make sure that what we as developers have, we've developed um, the feature, the functionality based on that behavior. Mm. So imagine we are making a calculator. We've all used calculators, right? Yeah. And what I've I've done this in my life, I've completely misunderstood a user story. No, I wish there was acceptance criteria. So imagine we've got a calculator. I want to calculate two numbers, I don't know, three plus three. And we might assume that we're going to give back a number, the number six. What if the behavior is actually to return the word S-I-X? Mm-hmm. Now, in a typical user story, we might completely miss that. And I'm like, but I'll give you back the number six. I'm like, that's not what you asked for. And suddenly my implementations changed dramatically. I'm not just adding two numbers together. I'm now going to find out what that word is in what language as well. Mm. English, Mandarin, I don't, I don't know. It's changing the functionality a lot. But if we had that collaboration to begin with, so our little trifecta of dev, QA and product, if we had decided that and had the acceptance criteria to begin with, someone could be writing the functional test for that. Someone could be writing for implementation for that. We are, we are all in agreement of what it should be. Mm-hmm. And then we can continue. And we all know what's going to happen. We're going to build the best product at this point. There are now a bunch of tools that can help us with that. We've got Cucumber. Cucumber is like really famous for BDD. And I actually spoke at one of their conferences, like the very first conference I went to, oh. which was fun. Um, and I got to speak about, it was literally an introduction to BDD. I just reread this um, deck I did at Codebar centuries ago. And everyone in the audience understood it, which was mind-blowing as well. So I thought, but um, I've just distracted myself. What was I talking about? <laughs> You're talking wow. about um, if there's the synergy between the product QA and engineering, then you won't have that miscommunication where the, the developer delivers something different to what the product manager yeah, expected. Exactly that. And then also QA knows what to test as well. Because mm-hmm. I've had this before when the QA come back, I'm like, uh, you didn't think about any edge cases. This is not what you're supposed to be implementing what have you done? And I'm like, oh, does I just not understand? Yeah. Like, this is what we're talking yeah, about. We're talking about yeah, I'm really like, struggling with this, like having to figure out exactly how, like the test scenarios and the kind of the mm-hmm. negative paths that could yeah. happen. Yeah. 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 So I always, even if I don't use like a cucumber, and cucumber, you can use cucumber with any languages and at any point in your testing as well. So you don't just have to do it during the initial like unit test or the TD part. You can have BDD towards the end for end-to-end testing, for example, or mm-hmm. acceptance testing. So I know you can hook Cucumber into Cypress for JavaScript, for example, yeah. if you're doing end-to-end testing. Or I think Python's got its own BDD framework called um, Behave. So it's literally testing the behavior of your functionality. Okay, cool. And it's the user behavior because, listen, at the, end of, at the end of the day, we're always building things for people to use yes exactly. even if it is an api someone's got to use it it's a human that's going to yeah, use it exactly so we're always building things for human and everyone's behavior is different so let's start describing what we think or we hope anyway for user's behavior it's going to be so we can start predicting not predicting but anticipating further issues and yeah 
covering as many edge cases as possible. So you can use things such as Cucumber or Behave. And the lovely thing about tools like Cucumber and Behave is when you're writing, you're literally writing given, when, vent. So it's the same acceptance criteria is what you're writing in the testing framework. Mm. So a I product, need to do this. So, <laughs> <laughs> exactly, it's really cool because a product manager can come along and they're not going to maybe understand the internals, like the body of it, but they can come along and see the scenario I'm like, oh, I know what they're testing. Yes. I know what this bit is doing because it's written in plain English or plain mm-hmm. mother language. Mm-hmm. Not technical, technical, technical. Technical, technical, technical. <laughs> like, no, anyone anyone can suddenly understand this, but okay, I get it. I know what you're trying to do here. Yeah. I know what this tiny bit of functionality is supposed to be doing. Yeah. Got you. It's just common language. It, I just love that it brings everyone together and we have that collaboration everyone understands and it reminds everyone we are a team mm. we're not by ourselves mm-hmm. we have we have to communicate yes. which is great because so many times when I'm like I wish I spoke to someone before I started implementing this because I've just done something very very wrong yeah and I've just wasted three weeks and now I've got to do it all over again yeah and I think when you if you have that synergy from the beginning it sets the tone for how you can then communicate when you are having to make decisions like here's a case that the PM hasn't thought about let me go and ask them instead of trying to guess what they might have wanted it to be yeah yeah and even if you don't have an opportunity to have the PM there even if it's just you in the QA if you don't have a QA speak to someone else on your team and be like can you act as this role today please Mm. can you be I'm, I'm a big fan of rubber ducking as well Mm-hmm. Do you both know about rubber ducking? Yes, but explain it. Okay, for people rubber who ducking. Don't. So the concept is you get a rubber duck or in an in, in, in I can't speak an inanimate object, and you speak out a problem to it. Mm-hmm. So as you're speaking out this problem, you're actually coming up with the solution as you're saying it out loud. As if I can't find something, I will literally call up a colleague. I'm like, "Can you be my rubber duck right now?" Just sit mm-hmm. in silence and speak this yes. out to someone. And I've sold so many things. I'm like, I'm overthinking this. I'm over-engineering this. Yeah. Like I've written like 55,000 lines of code. And I'm like, this is all gibberish. <laughs> like, delete, start again, start again. Sometimes that happens when I'm asking for help. So mm-hmm. I'll be typing on Slack, like my problem, like, oh, like I know what to do now. Yeah. And, like I just delete that message, <laughs> implement exactly. it. Yeah. Like it's so helpful sometimes as well. I sometimes have running conversations with people and they're not responding to me. I'm responding like they are, but I'm having a running conversation on Slack. And we're like, nice to see you solved it. I'm like, thank you for being there for me. <laughs> thank you for the support. Your support is appreciated. Exactly. Um, something else that you touched on that I never even thought of about BDD is using it to sprint demo. Because I've I, I sometimes struggle when you've spent so long on a technical thing, a technical solution. How do you demonstrate the value to the rest of the business and the intention behind why you've done something a certain way so that's something I definitely want to do as well always think given when then it's like helped me so many times and I'm like "Uh, has I explained this I'm like scenario given this or even just like like now that I'm in my world and like I've got all the technical bits in my head but I'm not going to be implementing it right I'm Mm -hmm. like I need someone else to be Mm -hmm. implementing it I'm like how do I explain this I'm like, I don't need to be overly complicated. Yes, Let me exactly. just give us, let me give several scenarios. I'm like, this can help you understand. Or if I've got to talk to someone else, if I'm talking to my mum about something I'm working on, and she's like, I'm like, I'm not going to be like, oh yeah, mum, I was thinking about this algorithm today. Let me tell you about um, 
storage in the heap. And she's like, what are you talking about, Tanya? I was like, let me tell you a scenario. So given this thing happened, when that happened, she's like, oh yeah, cool, got it. I'm like, yeah. I'm speaking plain mother language to you. But then is there a way that you could overdo it where you could give too many scenarios or is that more? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have, you do have to find that balance. But I give as many as possible to begin with. Just write it down. Don't have to actually implement. Just write it down somewhere. I think go through and be like, what is the priority? Mm-hmm. What has the most importance here? And just implement those. So cool. Amazing. Are we going to go to the tech tea now? Yes. Okay, amazing. Cool. So now we're on to it. Mm-hmm. What is the tech tea with Tanya? I don't know if it's tech tea, but something that annoys me is bad documentation. Oof. Does my nut in. Not that I'm great at writing document. <laughs> I am not. Hands up terrible at writing it but that's why I avoid doing it just assume just assume what I've written makes sense but bad documentation does my nut in it drives me crazy because we are always building things for people to use yeah exactly now so many times I've gone to like especially when I was doing front end only and I'll go to a back end guy but try to use your API for like yeah it's good isn't it I'm like I, I don't know <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean? I'm like, I can't use it. Why not? I don't understand how to use your API. I feel attacked. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but I've, I've done this as well. I've done this as well. Because even like when you automate documentation, always read back as well. Because sometimes I remember when I used to just be in the back end team and I'm like, oh, and I used to automate it as well. Because I'm like, I'm terrible about documentation. Let me automate this. I was looking at what the automation tool had done and I'm like, it's gibberish. Mm-hmm. No one's going to understand this. What? I had to go back and refine this. It's a great starting point. But, but sometimes a good thing about documentation is, I've done this. I've looked back and I'm like, oh, this is really complicated. Oh, so my implementation is really complicated. No one can use this. Only I understand. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So it's like, like it's a sanity mm, check with your, mm-hmm, with your actual mm-hmm. code. It really, really is. But so I'm like, I'm like, API is amazing. I'm like, I can't use it. Why not? I don't understand how to plug into it. Because I don't understand your documentation. It's really complicated. Mm. I'm like, why do I have to pass 20 parameters in? I'm like, have you thought about mm, maybe an SDK instead of an API? I'm like, why would I do that? Because the SDK, for what you want me to do, you're giving me 16 APIs. Each endpoint, I have to pass in 30 parameters. Maybe give me an SDK because it's a complete kit. And what's an SDK? So a software development kit. So it's literally everything for that particular service mm. in one bit of functionality. So you'd have, usually with SDKs, you have lovely code examples. So I'm like, how do I how do I communicate with you? Mm-hmm. Here's an example. And I'm like, yes, it's, it's very simple, basic example. You don't usually have to pass in a thousand parameters. Yeah. I don't have to be like, which endpoint is going to do that? And is it going to return this? And make, that's not what I want to do. Hang on. And now I've got to call like five endpoints to get one bit of data that I want back. Huh? <laughs> Why? What? So I'm like, maybe a whole kit instead of loads of different bits of a kit. Yeah, Just combine it all yeah. together. That could be helpful, maybe. Yeah. And then... If you have the combined whole thing, it's more holistic and 
have better documentation. <gasps> so what should, what, what should good documentation do? Um, plain English. I can't stress this enough. Reduced amount of jargon. Mm. Yes. Because... You know, you come back from a holiday and you come to your computer and you're like, what's my password again? Yes. <laughs> Documentation should be like that. Tell me, is, write a story. Even when I'm writing code, I'd like to have, I have a clear beginning, middle and ending. Something I learned in primary school is a story. Take me on a journey. Don't help me like, now we're fair to page 20. And I'm like, I'm on page five. What? what? Mm. How do we skip 15 pages? I don't mm. understand. Why are, there, why are there 20 pages? <laughs> <laughs> What? Like, what is this? So I'm like, just be clear and concise. And if it's not clear and concise, maybe something's going wrong. Yeah. Maybe you've overcomplicated it somewhere. Can we simplify this a bit more? Yeah, that's a really good point. So something that I struggle with with documentation is like, how do you make sure it's up to date consistently oh, yeah. with the yeah. best things change? Yeah. <laughs> is there an easy answer? No. <laughs> <laughs> it probably is. That's the opposite. I love the idea of a living document. Mm-hmm. No one keeps it alive. Because <laughs> at some point you just, you're like, I've written it once. I'm done. But seven months later, you're like, oh, this is really out of date. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got to write it all over again. It's not, so I'm like, you're resurrecting it. It's not alive. <laughs> you're just resurrecting it now. But yeah, I guess we've got to build something to solve that, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Do you have any resources or tips for ways that people could get better at writing documentation resources or tips like how how would someone new think about yeah the best ways to write good documentation what would what would you recommend do you know what i'd recommend getting someone else to read it Mm. like it sounds simple right it sounds simple but get someone else who's maybe not part of this project that you're working on not part not familiar with this code base like can you read over this documentation for me? And if they're like, huh? I was like, okay, the next person's not going to understand either. Yeah. Or let's get someone who's not close to that to read over it and see that, do you understand? Do you you get the gist of it? Mm -hmm. And if you do it, make them feel uncomfortable. Do it when you see them reading it, just to see their facial expressions (laughs) as well. Because I like to do that. I'm like, turn your camera on. I want to see your face. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, why? I'm I'm not trying to make you uncomfortable. I'm trying to make sure that what I've done is understandable because you might say to me yeah it's good but if I see confusion on your face I'm like Mm-mm, I've done something wrong yeah, yeah. because we have a tendency to assume knowledge when we're writing mm-hmm. documentation because mm-hmm. we already know everything yeah. and so it's like we're writing it out it's like oh yeah but yeah I can skip this part you know because exactly. this part's kind of obvious yeah. and like yeah. and so that's why it's as you're saying it's so important to go to someone who doesn't know because they can be asking the questions like oh so why does that lead to this and it's like oh I assume knowledge here because mm-hmm. obviously I know why this leads yeah, to this. I didn't exactly. think to, to write exactly. it out because it's like, you know, it's obvious. You're not writing it for yourself. Exactly. That's the key. You're not writing it for you. You're writing it for someone else. You might be writing it for yourself, your, fu- your future self. Your future self's not going to remember these irrational decisions you've made at 3 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> We're not. So you've got to write for your future self and other people. Yeah. And I've, I can imagine my future self reading some documentation that I wrote. And being like, who wrote this awful documentation that makes no sense? And it's like, oh, it was, it was me. Exactly. I mean, I was looking at the um, intro to BDD slides that I wrote several years ago. And I was like, who wrote this terrible job? I'm like, oh my God, it's terrible. I'm like, I, put, I showed this to people and no one said anything to me. I'm like, wow, wow. 
Okay, another question is like, not everything you build will always require documentation. So at what point, you, what, you think there, it does? No, 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 no. no. Oh, okay. Not, not, everything, not everything. At what point does it become necessary for you to write documentation? Like when is it important enough for me to then add that to part of this task that I need to write to someone else how to, how to use this thing? Well, it's a user-facing thing. Okay. Because I've had times when... Jesse, I'm not picking your promise. I promise. <laughs> but I mean, I'm plugging into an, an API because I've built a bunch of back ends for front ends. And like, I'm not touching the client side bit, but I'm creating like a lot of intermediate API that's going to connect to all these other APIs and mm-hmm. that sort of thing. And I've read the documentation. And I'm like, okay, I know I had to use this. And then what I'm being returned is something completely different. And I'm like, huh? Mm. I'm like, this is not what I was expecting. Now I've got to change my implementation because you've broken the contract. And I love that, you know, we use the word contract really loosely. Like, oh yeah, this is the API contract, but really I'm going to give you something else. It's a contract, bruv. (laughs) I was expecting this. Stick to the contract. (laughs) I implemented my functionality based on your contract and now you changed it. And now I've got to change my implementation. And everyone's asking me why it's taking me two months to build this. Mm Mm-hmm. So I've, I'm being held accountable because you <laughs> gave me incorrect documentation. Mm. And then everyone's like, why is it taking you so long? So I'm like, I, I have to understand this API by calling every single endpoint to see what I'm getting back. I don't even know what parameters to pass to it. I don't know. Yeah. No, that's important. That's important. Okay, I need to be so, stricter with my contracts. <laughs> 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 but things like that like the contract bit you can automate so we know what parameters to pass in what it's going to be returning I don't need to know the details of it it's abstract that for me like, I don't need to know what's going on in the function body not my problem that's like your problem not mine sort of thing but what are you giving me what do I need to give you to get something back and what are you giving me back mm-hmm. you know yeah it's important I promise, Jesse, I'm not picking on you. No, I need, I need to hear it. I want to be a good, I want to be a good developer and I want to be someone that provides. You like, already are a good developer, Aww, Jesse. Amazing developer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think that's a wrap. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, sorry, do you want to do freestyle? <laughs> do you want to do the, yeah. Do, is there anything else you want to add? Um, Congratulations on your awards. Oh, oh I should you. have said that. All right. So at the time of this recording, mm-hmm. myself, Jesse and Tanya all won awards with Makers. So me and Jesse won the Powerless Awards. So we won of 20, two so of 20 women. women. in Software Powerless Oh, yeah, yeah. Awards, the Women the in women Software Powerless. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Me and Jesse were two of 20 winners to win that. And Tanya, you're one of the... Ch- you. You were one of five people to win the Change Makers list mm-hmm. of makers as well. Yep, yep, yep. Exciting, exciting. Woo! <laughs> we're award winning software engineers <laughs> and an award winning co CTO. Okay. What a way to end the episode. Right. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks for plugging that. But how can we stay in contact with what you're doing, what you're working on? And do you have any exciting projects coming up soon? Exciting projects, of course. Listen, I've got a thousand ideas. My GitHub um, is my repository of 
dreams, I like to call it. Oh. Like, if I've got an idea, I'm like, create that repo right now. <laughs> back, I'm like, what is this again? Because I will always write down in the, it's actually always in Bad the read documentation. Me. It's the documentation. It's the idea. I'll put the idea in the read me. <laughs> I'm like, I will forget you. I will forget you. And I'll come, go back every few months and I'm like, Oh yeah, let me see this list of random repos. I'm like, oh, it's gonna build this me. Mm. That's such a good idea. Let's I go on to, her GitHub yeah. and story by this. Oh, no, they're all private. It's oh yeah, all... I wasn't gonna do that anyway. So exciting projects is I wanna um build a creative hub. So mm. I'm so much of a creative person. My best friend is an amazing artist and she wants to eventually quit her day job and be a full-time painter. And I'm like, do it. And she's like, but a studio is expensive. I'm like, hello, technology is a thing. Why do you have to do things in person? The internet is your best friend. Oh, if it doesn't exist, Tanya. I'm like, I'm going to make it exist. Ooh. I'm going to make it for you. And she's like, what? I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm like, give me some time. I will make this for you. I'm like, what do you want? Uh, exhibition, studio space. What, do you, what, do you, what is it that you need? Mm-hmm. I will make this for you. And she's like... Yeah, on like online exhibitions, and I also want you know collaboration. I'm like, I deal with community all day, every day. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, cool, got that bit. And then speaking to like my other creative friends, and I remember going to a um, a gig a few months ago, and it was empty in there because we were still in, like in lockdown. We were yeah. coming out of lockdown, and I was like, this will be an amazing like online immersive experience. And I was speaking to the organizer, and he's like, it doesn't exist. We can't make this happen. And I'm like. I'm going to make this happen. Yes. I'm going to make this happen. I'm like, give me some time. I will make this happen. Very so cool. TBC, when that T- will be released, T- but we'll put it in it. the show notes whenever that is. Mm-hmm. Maybe in 2023. I'll take the show notes. <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> no, she finally did it. She finally did it. <laughs> Amazing. And how can people find you? Like, what are your socials? Um, so I'm on Instagram sometimes. Not often, but I'm there. And Twitter as hey, tan, hey. I'm rebuilding that website of mine. As I redo it every few months. <laughs> and you can be find me at tanyapower.dev and also tanyapower.io when I finally do that redirect. It's on my list to do. <laughs> Is it in the, the repos? Is it? Is it? Amazing. There's a couple of live streams of me starting to do it as well. Oh, like, I've seen that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was just tuned in. Yeah. It was really, it was so entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> what, when I was getting distracted? I, I someone in the, someone, uh, one of the former black colleges is like, I'm going to come into the chat and just purposely distract you. I'm like, please don't, because you know I'm really easily distracted. <laughs> and she's just like, I like your jumper. I'm like, oh, I'm not my jumper. I'm off on my jumper. And she's like, I'm like, oh yeah. I forgot I'm supposed to be. <laughs> But yeah, thank you so much for coming on to yeah, the Glow Love Podcast. Thank you.